Well, good evening. I was so glad you're here tonight. Uh, my name is Tim Shelton. I'd like to welcome you to our final Fight for Your Family class. We've had six weeks of some great teaching and, and just enjoyed the camaraderie. And tonight's our final night. And tonight you'll hear from Sam McElroy. He's our pastor to senior adults, speaking on grandparenting. But before he gets up, I just want to show a bit about Fight for Your Family. This is a ministry that we've put together to help resource marriage and parenting. And we borrowed the title, Fight for Your Family, from the book of Nehemiah. And I want to share with you what it says. Uh, there was a point in Nehemiah where he was leading a great project. God had put him in something, in charge of something really big. Uh, but he faced some opposition. And the people around him were distracted. They were discouraged. And at one point, he just stopped all the construction of the wall. And he said to the people this. This is Nehemiah chapter 4, it's verse 14. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them, the opposition. Remember the great and inspiring Lord and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And so when the enemy was coming after them and they were discouraged and they were uh, distracted, what they did is they said, let's remember the Lord, let's fight for our families. And so today, obviously, there's a, a lot of enemy against us, not only Satan himself, but the culture and media is against our families trying to tear us down. So tonight, we're just to remember the Lord, remember He is great and awesome, and come to learn about how we can be uh, fighting for our families and for our children and for our grandchildren. So, so glad you're here. I'm going to pray for us, and I'll invite Sam up. We'll get started. Let me pray. Well, Father, we praise your name, and we thank you for how good you are to us, and thank you for God not only giving us children, but giving us grandchildren. And tonight, as we open your word and we hear from Sam and from others, I pray that you would instill in us biblical truth that we can take and apply to how we parent and how we grandparent. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good evening again. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to share this uh, information with you. And uh, it's, so we, it's power packed. Got a lot of uh, information to give you tonight, so I hope you can listen fast. Because we're going to talk fast, got a few videos to share with you, we're going to do some table talk and some uh, sharing with you. So uh, as we talk about grandparenting, we did a six-week study back last spring down at Guest Central. So some of the information, if you attended that, you've heard in that in those classes. So we, got, we took kind of pulled some things out of there. So we're going to be talking about, you're going to hear, you're going to see the guy, Larry Fowler, who is the founder of Legacy Coalition. And he is really... Uh, on fire for grandparenting, Christian grandparenting across our nation. So you're going to see some of that uh, in a little bit. How many of you are already grandparents? Raise your hand. Already grandparents. Any soon-to-be grandparents? All right. All right. Good. Good. I really appreciate uh, you being here uh, tonight. We're going to look at the first session there. There's a lot of fill-in-the-blanks, a lot of information you can follow along. If you don't like fill-in-the-blanks, don't worry about it. But hopefully you can follow along the first section on vision Introduction to intentional grandparenting. So if you don't miss, if you don't, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. We're going to talk about intentional Christian grandparenting, not just grandparenting, not just Christian grandparenting, but intentional Christian grandparenting. Because number two, grandparenting matters. Grandparenting really matters. Larry Fowler says we are praying for God to raise up a national movement of intentional. Christian grandparents. Later on, we'll talk about the numbers of how many grandparents there are in America and how many Christian grandparents there are in America and what a difference uh, they can make. So to get started, around your table there, you see a couple of things I'll ask you to do. 
but just around your table, tell how many children you have, how many grandchildren you have, what age were you when you became, uh, what are the ages of your grandchildren, and what ages were you when you became a grandparent. So we're going to do this kind of quickly around your table, all right? Uh, how many children and grandchildren do you have? What's the ages of your grandchildren? So you can get to know each other. And how old were you when you became a grandparent? Take about three minutes to do that right now, okay? Ready, start, go. All right, about another minute. Just one more minute. Finish that up. Let Get to know each other by sharing those things. All right, let's see who's got the most. How many have seven or more grandchildren? Anybody? Good. Wow. Okay. Eight or more grandchildren? Raise your hand. Nine or more grandchildren? Raise your hand. Ten or more grandchildren? Raise your hand. Eleven or more grandchildren? Twelve or more grandchildren? Still got hands up. Thirteen or more grandchildren? Some hands went down. How many? How many? Oh, sorry. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. All right, let me ask you a question. I will right, we'll get into the video here in a minute. What is one thing you learned about grandparenting from your grandparents? Think about it. What is one thing you carry with you that you learned about grandparenting from your grandparents? Somebody share. All right. Tell them about the history of their life and your and their parents, okay? That's good. That's important. Somebody else, what did you learn, okay? So your grandparents let you talk, tell anything, but just don't tell mom and dad. I like it. That's good. Somebody else, what did you learn from your grandparents, all right? Hey, that's good. Taught you to be kind. Tim, you could learn from that. You hear that? Yeah. See that? That's good. Okay. All right. Turn the page, and we're going to move on. I got a lot, of, a lot of stuff to give you. This is the six reasons to focus on grandparenting. You can follow along in your book on the on the video. This is Larry Fowler, and I pulled some of this from the class that we did before. So just kind of hang in there with us and uh, pay close attention. I think you'll now. Everything may not be for you tonight, but there are some nuggets in here I think that you can apply to your life as a grandparent. Larry goes on to talk about the ministry vacuum that they were. They found uh, six or seven books, only seven total books about grandparenting. He said six of them were self-published. And he said now there's a new move, a new wave to encourage Christian grandparenting and about the vacuum that had occurred about the emphasis of Christian grandparenting. So I want you to ask yourself the question. Which one are you? Don't answer out loud. Just think about it. Are you biblical? Are you cultural? Are you blocked? Are you unequipped? Which one are you? I mean, tonight I hope there'll be some things said that'll just help you, motivate you, stimulate you about being the grandparent that God has called you to be. So which one? Think about it. Biblical, cultural, blocked, or unequipped. That's a sad story that the lady told him. said, I can see my granddaughter, but if I mention God in any way, I can't ever see her again. That's a block grandparent. That's amazing. But what? And you may be going through that. So just kind of assess where you are. Then we turn to foundations, uh, what the Bible says about grandparenting. Two assumptions. 
I'm going to talk fast, so you listen fast and write fast. Grandparenting is different from parenting. Of course it is. Grandparenting is different, uh, different from parenting. Now, uh, anyone here, Are you? do you have custody of your grandchildren and your grandparent as well? Anybody? Okay. Okay. Some folks do. They are, they are the, the grandparent and the parent. They're doing both. And that's a tough responsibility. But the rest of us, well, we see ourselves while you, we're still the parent, the noun, it says, you are no longer the parent, the verb, unless invited. Your parenting days are over. Accept your role is different now. Stop correcting your kids or undermining their authority. So many times we as parents undermine the authority of our kids, you know, and sometimes that's just not good. Number two down there says grandparents are included in the Bible's definition of family. When you read in the text, and we're going to show you some scripture in a moment, not only children, not only parents, not only grandparents, but great-grandparents are included in the Word of God. They're kind of a clan. They're kind of a tribe, if you will. The grandparents' role, according to the Bible, grandparents have a new role. Genesis 2, 24. You've all heard the verse. We heard it when we first got married. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to the wife, and they shall become one flesh. We've heard that there's been that time in our life, but now this is a new day. We have a new role. Exodus 20, verse 12, you know that verse of the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now, one of the promises of the Bible, the Ten Commandments has four vertical commandments in relationship to God and six that are horizontal in our relationship to others. So think about this. How are you honoring each other in front of your grandchildren? How do you honor your husband, your wife, their grandparents in front of the grandchildren? Or do they just see bickering or whatever? What do they see? When they watch you, do they see honor? Proverbs 17, uh, verse 6. Proverbs 17. Grandchildren are the crown of omen and the glory of sons to their father. It's the crowning glory of a grandparent. Grandparents are to be honored, and the honor comes to the, grand, to the grandparent. He talks about here multi-generational. He's going to talk about Deuteronomy 4, 9. So I want you to hold right there. Turn the page. I want to show you something because you're about to see it in the video. Top of the next page where it talks about our multi-generational responsibility. Watch one, teach two, think four, bless all. Don't let that go over your head. Uh, first time I saw it, I had to go back and watch it again. The first time I did this back last spring. It's some great information I want you to see that we're gonna talk, he's going to talk about here. And I just, I just didn't want you to miss it if you didn't mind because I want to point that out to you. Let me get the video queued up here. So for just a minute or seconds, once you close your eyes, Everybody, just close your eyes. Trust us. Think about your grandchildren and their grandchildren. What kind of legacy are you teaching them, leading them, leaving them? Not just your grandchildren, but their grandchildren. Think about it. I mean, like he said, it hurt his brain to think about that. But think about your grandchildren. And what kind of legacy you're not only leaving them, but their grandchildren as well. All right, look this way. 
What is the goal of passing the Olympic or faith torch? What's the goal? To what? What did he do in the second race? They did what? They kept running. They didn't stop. They kept running. So the question, the practical, I'm a practical guy. The practical question is this. How well are you running? Are you running beside all the members of your family? Are you running well? What kind of race are you running with them or, or are you stopping? That's what he says here. So it's something, I think, thought-provoking for us to think about. Are you running beside all the members of your family or have you stopped running? All I can do is ask you to ask yourself. You turn the page and you see the next one, a visual image of our grandparenting role. Some fill in the blanks here. I'll go quickly. Think of yourself as runner number one. Think of yourself as runner number one. Think of the baton as your legacy of faith. Think of your baton as the legacy, legacy of faith. You are sharing that legacy of faith. Hopefully you are. Remember the goal of the race is for runner number four to finish. Not how just you and I are going to finish. I pray that all the time. Lord, help me to finish well. But how is that next grandchild and that next grandchild, how are they going to finish? You must not drop the baton. The problem is in a relay race, the runners usually stop. We saw that. A better image is the passing of the Olympic torch. You hold it high. You hold that Olympic torch, that faith high. You pass it on to the next runner, and you run beside them and keep running beside them. I'll ask the same question. Are you running beside your children and their children and their children's children? How well are you running beside them? Tim Kimmel said, top of the next page, says, As you bear the torch of the gospel, be a steady light that illuminates their path. Trust the Holy Spirit to draw them to himself on his timetable. Hold the torch up. Don't chase them around with it. And then they say the Bible has instructions and examples of how to teach. A couple of quick things. Number one, tell faith stories. These are practical examples. Tell faith stories. Exodus 10, verse 2. Tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them and that you may know that I am the Lord. Tell them the faith stories. Tell them the stories about how God worked in your life. Tell them the stories of when you trusted Christ as your Savior. Tell them how you know that God is real. Let them see that in grandmother and granddaddy. Let them hear that from grandmother and granddaddy. I can remember going to my grandparents in the country in North Alabama, and they had a farm there. And my granddaddy had two pair of overalls, a work pair and a dress pair. And on Sunday, he had the dress pair on with a white shirt and had a big Bible. And if we, we didn't go much on Sunday because we were at our church. That's where mom and dad wanted me to be. But on occasion, when we went on Sunday, I can still remember my granddad grabbing that big Bible that looked bigger than him. He was about four foot eleven, so that big old Bible looked bigger than he was. And him walking out that screen door and said, if you're going with me, I'm going to church. You know, and so he'd take it by but that example of that, of running the race, an example he was to me to see him doing that, to see my dad and what he did for me and how he led me. Top of the next page, it says establish spiritual family traditions. Top of the page says the promises of God are not worn out by the passage of time. You can keep doing those traditions. You know, traditions are good, not traditionalism. 
Many Christians have downplayed traditions out of desire to avoid traditionalism, but keep doing them. Traditions are important in their important way of passing on our faith. You know, somebody give me a tradition that's been passed on in your family. You still do it. It's passed on from your grandparents. Give me a tradition. Wash your hair the night before church. You just keep doing that. Somebody else, a tradition that you keep alive in your family. Know what? I remember. Don't place anything on top of the Bible. At Thanksgiving, which is next week, my wife's grandmother, our boy's great-grandmother, Meemaw, we called her, we used chinette platters to eat on. That's the little really thick cardboard paper plates, and they're called chinette. That's a brand, and they're big. For us guys, we liked it. My wife will set the table Next week, it's already set with Thanksgiving China. And my boys, they're 41 and 39. They're going to come in and say, where's the China at platters? Because they don't want to fool with that China. They want those big, you know what I'm talking about? Big China at platters. And come Christmas, she's going to put the Christmas China on the table. And Anthony Garrett's going to say, "Get move that, mother. We want those China at platters. And if they don't have them, they're going to go to the store and buy them. That may seem a silly tradition to you, but traditions are important that we carry on, whether it's practical or biblical. Number three, next page, influence through our hard times. Joel 1 verse 3 says, tell it to your children, let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generations. There are four generations in that passage. Be a perspective giver to your grandchildren so they'll make it through tough times. Let them hear about the tough times that you've been through and how you made it through it. So, think about the traditions. What new traditions? Consider some new traditions. Last week at our senior adult conference in Pensacola, Ken Whitten, who used to be on staff here many years ago, shared that when his third daughter came home for a birthday one time, she lived out of town, she said, I want to do something different. And she said, forget my presents, just pool the money, and we're going to go out and we're going to give it away. We're going to go give to people who need it. So we come home, and my wife, Teresa, says, that's what I want for my birthday. My wife's birthday is tomorrow. And she said, when the boys come home Thanksgiving on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, we're going out. You tell the boys, and she told him, I didn't have to do it. She told him, said, bring your money, whatever, you're just going to pay on my gift, put it in the pot. I'll put some in, Dad will put some in, and say, we're going to give it away. We're going to go give it to some folks. We're going to show that we're thankful. So that's when I've talked to the missions office. I talked to Ross, and he's helping me with that about some places that we can go. Set up, and this is not about us, just, and I, just set up some new traditions in your home that you can pass away. If you turn the page, you're going to see a short clip, last clip that you're going to see. It says, listen, remember, and there's a big circle with a heart on it, okay? A strategy of how to impact the heart of your grandchildren, how to impact the heart of your grandchildren. This is very short, but I think it makes a great point and worth uh, for you to see it. The closer we get to our grandchildren, the more opportunity we have to impact their heart. So think about that. The heart is the destination for the Word of God. Our strategy must be to impact not only their heart, but the thinking of our grandchildren. 
not to have a worldview attitude, but to have a biblical view attitude, to get close to our grandchildren, getting close to their heart, so they will want to ask Jesus into their heart. I will never, and you have who have had this experience know what I'm talking about, I will never, no matter how old I get, forget two calls. Two calls. First one was a granddaughter, Lacey, who called to say, Papa, I asked Jesus in my heart today. And got that invitation to go be for that baptism. And then our little grandson, Ben, in Texas, just a few months ago, called and said, Papa, I asked God in my life today. He didn't call to say, I got picked on the All-Stars. Oh, that's fine. But it's not near as important as that call. We want to reach them. We get close to our grandchildren so we can touch their heart. I want to give you a couple little quick things that's not in your notes. I added this. No extra charge. It won't cost you any more. talks about distances that we have. Most barriers can be summed up by the word distance, and there are three of them in grandparenting. Geographical, relational, and spiritual. Those are the three distances, barriers, if we will, if you will, that exist with our grandchildren. A survey says two-thirds of Christian grandparents have at least one adult child who has abandoned their faith walk. And it makes it tough. A lot of grandparents won't talk about that. They're embarrassed, but we need to stand with them. But there are distances that come along, geographical, relational, spiritual. One of our sons lives in Texas, so we don't get to see them as much. So that geographical distance is a barrier. So we have to be creative. Thank God for modern technology. FaceTime. You know, we can FaceTime. I can see them. I can talk to them and on how important that is. Turn the page here of some really quick spiritual practices. If you look at the application, I'll go fast. Eight spiritual practices, and I like practical things. Number one, ask questions. Be a question asker to your grandchildren. Not, not an advice giver. Advice often shuts down the conversation. Create an atmosphere of open conversation. Be genuinely interested in their life. Ask questions, if you will. Number two is intentional meals. Make it enjoyable. Pray at the meal. Maybe their parents don't even pray at the meal, but pray at the meals with them. Stay after the, at the table. Now, at our place, we take up the electronic devices before we have a meal. My wife does that. You know, so we can talk. We make our oldest son be served last because if he's served first, he's going to be finished by the time the rest of us are sitting down and he's gone somewhere else outside or watching the ball game or something. So Anthony has to wait and be served last because he eats so fast, you know. So make the meals important. Let the grandkids see that, the conversation. Years ago when our boys were young, we were, I was serving First Baptist Mile in Tennessee and Brother Steve came to preach at our church. And so when I went out to dinner with the guest preacher, I always took one of our boys with us so they could learn and be around it. It's a good time to do. So we were at Longhorn Steakhouse. I remember it distinctively in Jackson, Tennessee. And we had ordered, and they started to bring the salads, and Brother Steve said, let's pray. And I can almost quote his prayer. He said, Lord Jesus, thank you for this meal. Amen. And he looked directly at my son Garrett and said, don't catch up on your prayer life at the table. It's exactly what he said. So ever since that time, 
When I asked Garrett to lead the blessing at our house, he prays a short prayer and then says, Brother Steve said, don't catch up with your prayer life at the table. <laughs> he still remembers it, you know. But he remembered that from being in an intentional meal, you know. Number three, pray. The practice of praying with your grandchildren is important. If you're not doing it, do it. Pray earnestly. If you've never read Brother Steve's book, Pray Like It Matters, it is a very simple, I'm from Alabama, I can read simple books. It's a simple book. Pray like it matters. Get that book and read it. Pray regularly. Tell them you are praying for them. Ask for their prayer requests. Our grandchildren know where Papa prays in my little office at home. They know where my list is. Next week when they're here, I'm going to ask them again, what can I add to my prayer list? I ask the uh, sons and daughter-in-laws, but I ask the grandkids now, especially because they're getting older. Pray with them. Make them know that you're praying that you're praying for them. Be intentional about that. Number four, teaching them. The practice of mentoring grandchildren by passing that faith torch, giving them your wisdom that you've, uh, that you've built up all of these years. Teach them. Teach not merely tell, but teach them. My father-in-law was named Ralph. My boys called him Gaga. He taught them, I'm not a handyman. I can't fix anything. I'm going to call the guy to come fix it. Now, I can do the yard work and all that, but I don't fix things. My father-in-law could fix anything. He could fix anything. And so he took our oldest son. My father-in-law took care of a group of apartments that the doctor my wife worked for owned. And he was kind of took care of those apartments as a side job from his other job. And my son went with him many times, and he learned how to be handy. He didn't learn that from me. He learned that from his granddaddy. His granddaddy taught him. He didn't just tell him how to do it. He taught him how to do it. There are things that you can teach your grandchildren. Spiritual practice number five, Bible reading and memory. The practicing of reading the Bible with your grandchildren and memorizing Scripture is priceless. Have uh, appropriate Bibles and Bible storybooks in your house when they come to visit. Watch Christian movies with them. Have some time to make the Bible a priority. Gift, give a gift to your grandchildren of a Bible. Maybe give them a new Bible, write an inscription on it so they know it came from you. Number six, tell God stories. Tell them stories about your life. Give your personal testimony. And I'm hurrying. I'll never forget on our front porch. You remember when you used to have front porches? I had a front porch in Birmingham, Alabama. I was about eight or nine years old. And my daddy looked at me and said, son, I got to tell you something. And I thought, oh, no. He seemed serious. He said, sit down here. We sat down on it. He used, my dad used to paint the porch. You remember you painted porch? He had painted porch. I never seen I never seen the porch been painted so much in my life. It had paint on it that thick. Now, so we sat down on the painted porch. And my dad said, I want to tell you something, son. I said, What is it? He said, I want to tell you about the day I gave my heart and life to Jesus. He chose that day to tell me. I'm not sure if it was something special about that, but he told me. He said, son, when I came home from the Army, I never wanted you to see alcohol and cigarettes in my hand, and I put them away. He said, you'll never, never see that in my life. And he told me about the day he gave his life to Jesus. Tell your grandchildren. Take those practices. Give them those stories. And then turn to page number six is share the gospel. Don't leave it to the church. You know, I can go to a ball game with my grandson up in Medina, Tennessee, and I can tell you the ones, the kids whose parents have worked with him. 
I can tell by the their by their level of play, not just the coach, but the parents who have worked with them, how much better they play. And when you've worked with your children and grandchildren on spiritual things, you can tell the difference. Share the gospel. Mr. Robert, come here. Bring your grandson up here. This is Robert Brown and his grandson, Gavin. Recently, a few weeks ago, Brother Robert told me this great story. Gavin, you're how old? 14? Gavin's getting tall. He's getting too tall for me. Good night. But Robert told me a story, and he's going to be brief, but I want him to tell you this story. All right, I'll start a little bit earlier than this story. When Gavin was born, he was, after a while, he was about a year old, and I was laying on the couch, and he was laying on my chest, and I felt the love of this boy right then. Excuse me. Anyway, when he grew up, when he got a little bit older, he was. Uh, I was holding him one time and trying to get him to go to sleep. And he looked at me and he says, "Papa, do you know you got grass in your nose?" <laughs> so anyway, he's been a good boy. Really, been a good boy. And uh, when he was about seven years old, I taught him how to drive a ride a, a zero turn lawnmower and after about after he'd been doing this for about three or four weeks he said Papa I think I want one of these things so he had saved him up a little money and uh, so we went and bought him a zero turn uh, mower and um, when we went to get it the uh, man at Lowe's said I'll just drive it up there for you and I told him I said let this boy drive that mower up there so he did and that all worked out real good. Since then, uh, Gavin has learned to do a lot more. Uh, I've got a John Deere tractor with a bush hog on the back of it. And now he drives that while I sit in the truck and watch him. Now, uh, Gavin and I have talked about many times about the Bible and what goes on there. But October the 8th, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he and I had been moaning. <coughs> we sat down and started talking. And I said, Gavin, if you were to die today, what would happen? He says, Papa, I'm not sure. I said, well, like, would you like to know how to go to heaven? He said, yes. And I was so excited, I didn't know what to do. Anyway, we sat down there and we talked about it. And I explained to him all about heaven and hell, how you forgot to be forgiven of your sins and all of that. And then we prayed. <laughs> he looked up at me and he says, Papa, I know this is real because you're crying. So, <clears throat> Gavin, what's the best decision you've ever made? I just thought it was better for Robert and Gavin to tell you that than me tell you about it because it really happened. And you can have that experience as well. 75% of people in America are saved between the ages of 5 and 13. It be Bible school, home, whatever. So I just want to plead with you. I want to plead with you to make take advantage of those opportunities to share Jesus with your grandchildren. When you turn the page, you see it. Where it talks about spiritual practice number eight, a blessing. 
A blessing, a prayer intercession is to God on behalf of others. A prayer intercessory is to God on behalf of others. But a blessing is communicating to others on behalf of God. So I want to ask you the question, have you ever prayed a blessing over your grandchildren? We're almost through. The Levitical blessing is found in Numbers. I'm going to read it for you. Well, if I can find it, got it marked here somewhere. In Numbers uh, chapter 6, verse 24, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace. And again, I want you to see the definition of a blessing. A prayer is, on, is to God on behalf of others. A blessing is communicating to others on behalf of God. There are three ways to give a blessing. You can recite scripture over your grandkids like that Levitical blessing. You can address a prayer to God on behalf of your grandchildren and then be in your presence. Let them hear you praying for them. And number three, you can customize a blessing with scripture that you put together for your grandchildren. Jay Rouse, who was a great music man, he's the pianist for Sandy Patty when she was here. I knew him years ago when I was a minister of music. And he wrote a little lyric of a song. He said, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. No matter what's going on in your life or your grandchildren's life, you can still have real peace because of God. And I encourage you, to share that blessing. It may be the Levitical blessing, maybe something you create, maybe a scripture you pray, but you can give them that blessing. When you turn to the commitment section, the last one, it says becoming an intentional Christian grandparent. Intentional Christian grandparents build strong relationships with both the parents and the grandchildren and approach every interaction as an opportunity to influence their grandchildren and perpetuate their faith. Work on those relationships with your children, their spouses, your grandchildren. Don't give up. You're still the parent. There's potential there. And I'm going to skip the next page because I want to get to the blessing. If you turn over to my declaration, and I hope that you will agree with this, and I want us to read it together aloud. Uh, if uh, You're not going to have to come up here and do it in front of people, but we're going to read it together. My declaration as a grandparent, this is my declaration. Read it with me. Yes, I am a grandparent, but I am more than a grandparent. I am a Christian grandparent. I believe in the Bible and the God of the Bible. I have received the grace of the gospel of the Christ of the Bible, and I desire to be a lifelong devoted disciple. I want my grandchildren to do the same. Yes, I am a Christian grandparent, but I am more than that. I'm an intentional Christian grandparent, and this is my declaration. I love my grandkids. So I will hold them when they're born, cuddle them when they're one, chase them when they're two, read to them when they're three, play with them when they're four, and laugh at their jokes when they're five. I'll support them, exhort them, cheer them, revere them. I'll praise them, even help raise them. I will be there for them. But that's not enough. As an intentional Christian grandparent, I will do more. I will pass on my faith. No, I will perpetuate my faith. Therefore, I will teach two generations. 
But I will not only teach two generations, I will think four generations. I will ponder, what kind of grandparent must I be? So my grandchild becomes one like me, and then he, his carries on the legacy, yes, I am an intentional Christian grandparent. Culture says, retire and go play. I says, no thanks, I'll pray. Culture says, pursue affluence. I say, I'll pursue influence. Culture says, you're old, you did your time. I say, not so, I'm in my prime. Culture says, those young generations, you can't relate. I say, ain't true, my influence is great. I know my grandchildren need me, but from, but from me they need godly wisdom, a Christ-like example, my faith stories, my earnest prayers, my uninterrupted time, my unconditional love, and my God-authorized blessing. So what is intentional Christian grandparenting? Let me spell it out to you. I will guide grandkids with grace. I will respect parent roles. I will abound in my affection and nurture their nature. I will deal with the dilemma of distance. I will pray with passion and purpose. I will adjust my attitude in case I need to restore relationships. I will accept in my example, excel in my example, excuse me. I will number my days. I will tell them my testimony. I will intentionally influence. I will never neglect the newest generation. Most importantly, I will give them the gospel. I am an intentional Christian grandparent. I hope there's something tonight that you've heard that you can take home with you, that you can apply to your life as a Christian grandparent. Everything you had tonight was taken from this series that we did back last spring, Grandparenting Matters. We had a hard time getting the book, so I'd give them permission to copy that and use it because we did the class before. But I hope that there are books that are you heard him talk about that you can ask in the bookstore. They'll order them for you on Christian Grandparenting. I've had several of those before, and they're very good. Comments or questions before I let you go? Thank you so much for being here. I do hope that you'll be intentional about being a Christian grandparent. Big day this Sunday here at Bellevue. one of my favorite Sundays of the year. The Sunday before Thanksgiving, Tim's heard me say this a million times, is a great Sunday. A lot of expectation because Thanksgiving's the next week. A lot of folks hadn't left town yet. Kids hadn't come in. They hadn't left. They're coming. You know, so it's a great time. It's an expecting time of looking forward to the coming week. It's a great time to be in God's house and give thanks. If you're not in a life group, let me encourage you. Tim and I would be glad to recommend one for you. But let me encourage you to be here this Sunday at Bellevue. Let me pray for you. Father, help us to be intentional Christian grandparents. Give us the desire to make a difference in the lives of our grandchildren, Lord. Thank you for the time we spent here tonight. May we take it with us. May we look at this material again and again and let it apply to our lives and be willing to do what you'd have us to do for our children, our grandchildren, our children's children, and on and on, Lord. May we leave a legacy of faith. May we hold that banner, that torch of, of faith high, and may they see that in our lives, Lord. Help us to share the gospel with our grandchildren, just like Robert did with Gavin. May we have a burden for our children and our grandchildren to share Jesus with them by the way we live and verbally sharing it with them. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.